Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is December the 10th, 2022. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits. Hopefully you're warm and cozy right now, wherever you are. Um, as for me, I am pretty cold. I have refused to turn on the heat uh, for now, obviously, uh, I, I, my, my deal with myself is I try to hold out until it's literally freezing. I'm a heat miser and, uh, you know, so far it works for me and, um, but I am cold, but you know, I got some clothes on, you know, that's neat. I got my little hoodie, got my little, uh, yoggers on, but, uh, let's see what else about me. Food, food corner. Yes. Uh, I had Skyline. For lunch after work and it was very good i had a five-way i had two cheese cones with everything that's right i'm a maximalist skyline maximalist i should get specific there uh and then i had the triple chocolate cheesecake which i didn't know you can make chocolate cheesecake that way i so i wasn't sure how this was going to turn out it was very good and they served it with like a little bit of whipped cream on top mm. It was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, also, weirdly, I always feel like I spend too much at Skyline. I felt like that lunch was proportional, and I like that. I don't. I don't want to say nature is healing because I feel like uh, we we look at the economy right now where the money like no, it's not good. Uh, uh, well, kind of. I'm not. I'm not an economist. <laughs> I've been looking at that, but I, you you guys should know I'm not a numbers guy. I try to avoid that kind of news unless it's like really like laid out <laughs> in layman's terms but um yeah i thought it was a pretty good lunch meal i really enjoyed it yeah yeah uh but we can get into some news um hopefully before my computer craps out on me uh let's see let's see let's see um cnn sports yeah i guess technically yeah it's the sports news um american journalist grant wall dies after collapsing at guitar um world cup sorry i was thinking about the pronunciation which i'm always going to keep screwing up uh, i'm sorry <laughs> um but sadly um american journalist grant wall died while doing uh coverage uh he was 49 years old he was actually literally covering the argentina netherlands match uh, as told by a witness, um, he collapsed. Uh, he fell ill on Saturday at the... Pre- well, I can just kind of run you through it a little bit. Uh, essentially, he was saying he wasn't feeling well. Um, and it was kind of noted amongst like people who witnessed them on the day it happened. And then also, days prior, he was on a podcast. And his co-host, him and the two of them were talking. And he said he wasn't well. He wasn't feeling well. And essentially, um, he did wind up getting some medical help and they issued him and, and this is where there's a little bit of discrepancy. I've heard he got cough medicine and ibuprofen. I've heard another rendition, which I believe I got from BBC, uh, their global news podcast, where he got cough syrup and antibiotics. So, you know, when I, those are two different things, you know, but that might just be a discrepancy. They might just be leaning on their source information a little differently. I don't know. Um, But 
they initially just kind of diagnosed him with bronchitis. And I guess he was just trying to more or less muscle through it and, you know, finish out, you know, his coverage. He's done a lot of this. I think he's been doing it for decades. Like I think like literally two decades of coverage. I think maybe a total of eight cups he's covered. So, I mean, he is definitely a vet. He was definitely a veteran. Um, and he's even said like for almost all of these, I'm almost always sick. Like I'm always kind of just doing my best and getting through it. And I guess this was more or less something he was just going to try to power through. But um, it hasn't been confirmed exactly what the cause of death has been. But um, yeah, it was definitely really sad to hear. I think there was also a layer two that is kind of being talked about maybe a little bit on social media, a little bit behind the scene, but just the talks of like conspiracy, honestly. Um, and that is he uh, came to Qatar and he had a like a rainbow shirt on you know, for support of gay rights. And he was detained for it. And they were, they were telling him, hey, you got to take it off. I guess he wasn't taking it off. So they, you know, they detained him. But then later FIFA representatives came through and said, no, he's good. He's fine. He's allowed to be here. You know, just relax. Let him go. And um, he was asked if he would wear the shirt again. He said he probably would. Um, but a lot of people kind of thought, oh, well, this was like Qatar, like trying to do something like that. That conspiracy thing, boom, immediately hit the second the news dropped. And I do think it's one of those things where we have to be very careful to just not jump to that conclusion. Uh, you, you definitely want to say things and it's like, oh, one plus one equals two. Here we go. That's what it is. And it's so easy to go on this dive so quickly. The Internet just provides you a rapid ass highway to just get with other people like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely something's up. Oh my gosh. Um, but there hasn't been anything to say that that's the case. It, it definitely looks like this is something that is on the level. We just don't know what the cause of death is. Um, but definitely it's just upsetting. It's always sad to hear about a death and, and sometimes conspiracy theories have a weird kind of comfort. No, like you can experience this random act of loss. I mean, this man's 49 years old. That's not old. You know, you definitely have life ahead of you and to just just die like in the middle of doing something that you just have been doing, just living your life. It's very sad. And you want to have a reason for it, especially you want to have it immediately in these moments and grasping for something like that just feels better. It feels comforting in its own way to try to fight that kind of monster as opposed to the randomness of life. Um, but definitely if there's anything else that pops up with the story, I'll definitely be here to cover it. But, um, it definitely got my attention, uh, last night and I was like, okay, yeah, definitely want to bring that up. Um, in the next bump, we got from Yahoo News and the Associated Press, suspected German coup plot spawns dozens of arrests. So at least like 22 plus people, maybe, I know at least 22 uh, German citizens have been arrested um, in a coup plot. And honestly, I wasn't personally super surprised to hear this, uh, only because I knew earlier in the year, actually, the Daily was really on it. They had done some coverage just about how these kind of cells of people can grow. And um, I don't think necessarily it's, you know, Germany for the sake of Germany. I think 
there are definitely roles that are kind of at play here. And um, it's more, and definitely in, in this situation from this article, I really get a sovereign citizen vibe. Like it's very strong here. Um, but essentially like the logic of these people were, they're like, hey, actually, when you really look at it, when you really think about it legally, Germany's like not even a real country, you know, like not anymore. No, not anymore. It used to be. Now, when like, you know, before the constitution, the real constitution was ratified and real, like, and I'm getting this maybe a little bit off here. This is like their dogma that they've been running off of their ideology. But essentially they're saying, well, before that, that was the real Germany. Um, after that, that fake constitution that's not really real, that's just a Germany that exists, but it's like a puppet country. It's not really real. Our idea of Germany is, and we want to make that reality. And the thing that kind of makes it scary is that there were like policemen who were involved in this plot. There were former like politicians who were involved in this plot, um, like, even up to a judge. So that's a little spooky. That's a little not good. Um, as well as there was this guy, I gotta get his name right. Uh, Heinrich the Thirteenth, um, Prince Roos, um, a seventy-one-year-old member of the House of Roos, who continues to use the title despite Germany abolishing any formal role for royalty more than a century ago. But like I said, they're running off this old script. According to this old script, you gotta do this, man. You gotta have a prince. That's the way this works, and he's the guy. Um, also, too, within this group, there's factions. So there's not necessarily people who only subscribe to this. There are people who are like, no, it's another way. And I think they kind of want the more Hitler version. I'm not sure there, but like they're like, yeah, that's the kind of shit that we're backing. But it, they're different shades. But essentially, all of them are saying... The Germany that you guys know and the world accepts is not real Germany. And we need to correct that issue so that the real Germany is the one in power and in control. Um, now, to some people, they're kind of trying to say, like, well, in, in a lot of ways, this was like a lot of drunken talk, a lot of just texting and talking. It's not really real or concrete. But at the same time, you know, German officials are taking this seriously and they did raids and you know apprehended all these people and they're gonna try them uh personally i think that's good i think the stakes are very high in these kind of situations if you allow them to fester and grow um they're going to lead to deaths i mean that's just a fact um the question is how radical are those moments going to be are they going to because i mean these guys were literally planning on like running into a government building and, and shooting people like that was real to them they were queuing that up i i don't feel like that's just drunken talk um you know we'll see what the ramifications are they actually have an example though in the article uh officials have repeatedly warned that far-right extremists pose the biggest threat to germany's domestic security this threat was highlighted by the killing of a regional politician and the deadly attack on a synagogue in 2019 a year later, far-right extremists taking part in a protest against the country's pandemic restrictions tried and failed to storm the Bundestag, Bundestag, Bundestag building in Berlin. So, and then also the thing I referenced from the Daily was a guy who was a, I believe, a soldier, and then he was trying to 
like he had faked his ID and then re-entered the country as a Syrian national, quote unquote. That was what he was the alias he was trying to go as. And he was trying to more or less set up a shooting or a situation and he got caught in the act. Like they literally found the weapons he was storing in like I think like an airport bathroom hole sewer thingy. And essentially with this whole like nationality thing he was faking, he was going to try to like spark unrest to try to like get immigrants out of the country more or less was trying to like spur that kind of civil unrest. Um, so, I mean, these guys aren't, these guys aren't messing around. I know these are unrelated situations I'm bringing up, but you want to, you know, these are all in one country. And then in America, we have our own situations going on and these kind of things happen throughout the world. It is an international issue. Um, the rise of like far right extremism is a real fucking thing. Uh, I mean, sure, we can always talk about it on the other end. I'm not saying it doesn't exist on both sides of the conversation, but I think the news has shown me very clearly that it's not a balanced conversation. And I think that's a surprise in and of itself because I feel like the news doesn't go out of its way to really talk about this shit because they know it's a bumper and they know it doesn't actually... It, like I feel like it gets ratings to a point but people get burned out on these kind of stories. So they try to cycle them in and out, in and out, right? But I mean, it's real. It's there. Um, from You know, it's, a, it's at a state level. And like I said, it's at an international level. So definitely wanted to put some coverage and light on that. Um, hmm, let's see, let's see. Speaking of states, let's talk about Arizona. Let's talk about some spirit. Let's talk about some weird fucked up shit actually at the root of it. Actually, this is one where I'm going to I'm going to take a little midway break cuz this is a this is a heavy one. So I and honestly, it's children are involved. Uh sadly true warning us like sex acts are involved. Um, so if you want to skip ahead on this one, totally, uh, I will say we got some good news at the end, but I mean, Jesus fuck, actually these, these next two are bangers and not in a, not in a cool jam spot way. I mean, like the, ep like the movie seven kind of, anyway, um, Okay. All right, all right, all right. Um, got this from NBC, NBC News. Polygamous leader in Arizona had more than 20 wives, including children, feds say. Samuel Bateman, who was arrested in September on federal charges, said it was the Heavenly Father's will. He participated in sex acts with minors. An FBI affidavit says, alleges, um... I mean, man, this is a fucked up story. It's really fucking gross. Um, but yeah, Samuel Rapely? God, what a fucking setup. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's right, too. Okay, this is a uh, spark in my memory. I actually heard this initially on side stories. Um, this man was literally driving around with his family. And essentially, his family was like 20 wives some of these were like children and like he was living with them and like he was like spreading this idea that he was a prophet um he was more or less starting these kids off very young and um oh god i mean the shit is just gross like 
He was literally grooming these kids. He was literally grooming this whole group. Um, I think he initially had one marriage, and then after that marriage failed, he like immediately kind of descended into this life. But um, he was a leader of a branch of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, according to the affidavit. Um, also, I think there was like an undercover kind of thing involved here, too, in which they kind of um, wind up, you know, getting all the evidence and stuff that they need. Um, essentially, it was a wife and a husband, like that was the cover, and they introduced themselves to the Batemans, offered to kind of help lend assistance, and then also the husband was running a documentary. So I got to stop right there and say, wow, right? Because that meant this dude has an ego, a hubris to himself, that if you just give him a little bit of kindness, a little bit of like attention and saying, hey, no, 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 you're okay. Okay, I see this weird situation, but you're all right. He immediately just continues onto the role, like, okay, yeah, gotcha. You're under the fold. You understand me. And he proceeds to show these people his life. And, and, and my thing is, if this man, this person has told you this is a documentary and you're rolling with that, what, what do you think is going to happen? This is going to go on television potentially, right? Like, this guy was, the, what I mean to say with all this is that this is the ego of this Bateman guy. Um... Which, I mean, it's very cult-like behavior. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I, I really don't want to get too much in the ick and the details. Um, but the kids themselves didn't actually want to, um, you know, admit to anything. I think one of them admitted to being present and partially nude for sex orgies. And once again, according to Affidavit, um... There was an instance instance where eight of the nine girls on November the 27th ran away from group homes. Um, I mean, the whole, like, you know, story, if you want the gutsa, it's definitely there and available. But, um, but yeah, they were transported. And like I said, I, that's why I'm glad I remember that this, the last podcast part, because essentially I believe that they were like transported, like, and kind of like a family style converted, like U-Haul situation. So not, not good living quarters. This was not comfortable at all. He's just slipping them across Arizona, Utah, Nevada, and Nebraska between 2020 and 2021, which is a lot of movement um, because this guy knows what he's doing is not okay. Like, he knows what he's doing is not okay. But, yeah, yeah, no, you can, you can film your little documentary. Your wife's helping me. You, all, you guys seem nice. What? Like, so... I mean, I really hope they maximize this this shit on him. Like, this guy should never see the fucking light of day. I hope he doesn't. Um, like I said, I usually try not to overlap stories with, um, like, a show, a podcast like Last Podcast on the Left. They're going to do it better. They're funnier. They actually tell it. Like, um, But this was obviously too good and i didn't fully connect until like i kind of said i got into the article on this podcast actually and i was like oh shit yes he did cover this um but man what a fucker dude what a piece of fucking shit um but we're still in the same fucking toilet bowl here um let's move on to the next bump associated press uh another fucking piece of shit uh ex-border patrol agent convicted of killing four women in texas um, Juan David Ortiz, 39, um, 
He did receive automatic sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole uh, because prosecutors decided not to seek the death penalty. Um, as always, I'm glad when the death penalty is not pursued, but this is definitely one of the, this, the times where I get it. I understand the feelings and the sentiments for sure. Um, but let's see. Ortiz, a Border Patrol Intel supervisor at the time of his arrest was accused of killing Melissa Marirez, 29, Claudine Ann Luera, 42, Guiselda Alcia Cantu, 35, and Janelle Ortiz, 28. Their bodies were found along roads on the outskirts of Laredo in September of 2018. Um... Now, they had his confession, which I think really just nailed this shit down. The The defense tried to get it thrown out, but it wasn't successful. And um, also, um, Ortiz had told investigators he had been a customer of most of the women, but he also expressed disdain for sex workers, referring to them as trash and so dirty and insisting he wanted to clean up the streets. So he had this fucked up complex in his head that he's doing the world a favor doing this shit that um, he also talks about how, how like the monster would come out. So he's really like kind of trying to evoke these emotions that like he's like the punisher and he also like can't control himself at the same time. Um, so it's all like just it just makes sense. And it's like, no, dude, what the fuck? Like you are a monster. That's for fucking sure. But you're a monster the whole time, bro. Like, what the fuck? Um, but, um, they essentially caught him in the act. There was a moment where, let's see, they have the person's full name here, but I know the last name is, uh, Erica Pena. Um, she was aware of the situation at hand about the murders. And, um, on the evening of September 14th, 2018, um, she got a bad feeling when when um, Ortiz had more or less said um, he was one of the last people to have uh, sex with Ramirez. And that sudden alarm bell off with her because, like I said, she knew the situation. She's like, oh, no, no, this isn't okay. And in, I think there was like a yeah, there was a gas station and um, he pulls a gun out of her and she immediately just runs to a state trooper who was refueling his car. So... You know, the, the stars is fucking aligned in the situation. She was ready to run, and she did, and there was a state trooper, and there was an immediate kind of, like, uh, fleeing situation. Um, they tracked Ortiz down uh, September 15th, 2018. He was arrested. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this dude, piece of shit monster, man. He ended people's lives just because he thought it was something to do and he he felt like he was really doing a world a favor uh just being a sick freak um so you know condolences to the family family you know families um you know it's just senseless ass loss um i don't know i mean you could you could literally do a whole deep dive just talking about these kind of issues that come up on this kind of shit uh just assess work um and how it is viewed by society and all that kind of shit um but yeah glad he is going to rot in fucking prison clink 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 
Um, and we got we got some good news at the end of this. Um, so you know I'm double down, double header. Let's go. Yeah, almost coughed, but I did it because that's for chumps. Oh. I really hope you guys do something cool when I'm taking my breaks. I hope you're taking a break too, you feel me? Whatever that break is, you know? I hope we're taking a break together, communally. That's a vibe. That's the reason I don't edit these out, by the way. Uh, one, because I, I have not educated myself and I'm too lazy to. And two, because I just like the vibe. Uh, since I got into podcasting, I've kind of liked that I could just do this and be loosey-goosey. Um, but anyway, yeah. We have some good news, and I want to end on a good note. Um... From Yahoo News, Associated Press, we're living there. Bill bill protecting same-sex interracial unions clears Congress. So this was the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, I've been really kind of waiting to cover this because I did not want Congress to fuck it up. Um, but this has been in the wings for, I really feel like, a, a while now, at least a couple months, honestly, on the ripples of Roe v. Wade um, in one of the dissertations or whatever, uh, Clarence Thomas his rat fuck ass um, was really teeing up and saying, hey, not only should Roe v. Wade or, you know, should that be done? Excuse me. He also references like another case. I think it's like Augerfell or something like that. But essentially he's talking, yeah, Augerfell v. Hodges. Um, and he's essentially saying that the decision legalizing same-sex marriage could also be reconsidered. Which is like, what? No, dude, no, no. None of this should be re-fucking-considered. And once again, it dawned on the whole fucking light that it's like, we look at the Democrats and it's like, you've had opportunities to make this not happen. You could have legalized abortion and we would have been fine. But you never did that when you had the majority powers. You never fucking did. You found excuses not to. So maybe, maybe you could legalize same-sex marriage before it gets fucking overturned by the fucking Supreme Court and we have this issue all over again. And maybe we should just do it too for interracial marriages. You know, why not? Maybe. And like I said, they've kind of been playing hot potato between the House and the Senate and uh, they did finally get it done this week. So I'm like, fuck yeah, thank you. Okay, can finally cover it. Uh, Biden's gonna sign it. Get your old ass on it, Joe. Um, because like, the what the fuck? Like, it's crazy that we haven't fixed these issues, that we haven't nailed these things down. It's not concrete yet. Um, I mean, it just goes to show, once again, that it's part of the problem with politics. Also, this isn't 100% great gravy. Like, it's good that we have this done, but there are holes in it. It's frustrating in situations because, like, let's say you're a couple in a state that isn't necessarily approving of gay marriage they can still not allow you to get married in their state. Like, shit, like, that's annoying. Like, they have to accept it, though, if you go to another state and get a legal marriage, though. So it's like, okay, you're really going to make us go through this loophole, go through this extra hassle. Um, there's a little bit of caveats and stuff like that. Um, like I said, in that kind of, like in your in that state, they could literally say, no, we're not going to marry you. Um, but they have to abide and give you, like, you know, real laws and protections and stuff once you are married. Um, he's got to go to somewhere else to do it. Um, so silly little things like that, but it's a step in the right direction. So yay, flowers, snaps, all that. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to end on a good, clean note, as clean as we could. 
uh, for this episode. Thank you for, um, you know, sticking around if you made it to the end. Awesome. You're awesome. I love you. Um, this is the shill part, though. I'm sorry. Patreon.com. So that's Isaiah News. If you'd like to become a newsie, get that bonus content, that shit on paywallin. You can have it. $5. All yours. Um, also, you get a shout out on the podcast. You also get Discord access. Um, so neat little things, neat little treats, uh, gifts, if you will, presents. I mean, you gotta pay for it, but you know, hey, it's capitalism, baby. Um, I do have a freeway though on Gmail to hit me up, IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. Also, I am on all the socials, um, that you're probably on, because I am a millennial who's trying to fit in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, find me, hit me up, say hello, and we can chat. (laughs) Um, but yeah, thank you for tuning in and, uh, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.